This episode is powered by Safety FM. Welcome to an episode of the Safety Consultant Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Primus. Here's the podcast where I teach you the business of being a safety consultant. This week, we're going to do the OSHA update for January 21 or January 2021. Today's actually the 25th. I'm doing this the day of some planning children, right? <laughs> but I've been a little bit busy last week. So I'm actually going to go over some of the things with uh, the OSHA uh website that I see and then some things that has come out as an executive order. So therefore, we're going to do a comprehensive OSHA update for things that are going to happen like right now. All right. So I am actually not going to do a sponsor because I want to get this thing out like today. So it's day of. So I'm going to go straight into the episode. So it's just going to be me and you with this one. So let's go ahead and do this. All right. If you're not driving, I need you to go to OSHA.gov. If you are driving, you cannot go to OSHA.gov because you're driving. So what you're going to do is if you are not driving, you're going to go to OSHA.gov. And let's start with the simple things. So first, one of the simple things that we're going to start with is the up. The price has gone up with the penalties. So in 2015, Congress passed the Federal Civil Penalty Inflation Adjustment Act Improvement Act. Not too sure why they had that double act, but they've been doing that lately. So that Federal Penalty uh, Act basically catches up with the penalty cost per inflation. So therefore, when inflation goes up, this cost will go up. And when I say penalties, meaning OSHA cited you, therefore, there's going to be a penalty that you're going to have to pay for this particular citation. And uh, OSHA's penalty page uh, will tell you that uh, the limits for uh, the maximum that you could get fined for willful and repeat violations and serious and other than serious, that's where you're going to see this. So, the other than serious and serious, the increase was from 13,494 to 13,653 to the same increase of inflation is the same increase that this penalty has gotten. Willful and repeat violations will increase from 134,000 $937 to $136,532. So that is the increase. And uh, let me give you that penalty page. If you go to OSHA.gov backslash penalties, that's where you're going to see this. So that is the penalty page, OSHA.gov backslash penalties. And that's where you're going to see the chart. So the violation types are serious, other than serious. And if you have a posting requirement that you did not do, you know, you didn't post the 
Hascom, uh, you know, something with that, or you didn't post for, um, let's say it's your 300 log or something similar. 300A, you don't want to post your 300. <laughs> then 13,653 per violation. So that means a firm, if it's a record keeping one and you didn't post your 300A, your firm could have many establishments. So that means if they're going to throw the book at you, it could be $13,653 per establishment. Failure to abate, you didn't fix a problem. $13,653 per day beyond the abatement date. So if you're supposed to get something worked out, OSHA came, they gave you a citation, you got through the final uh, closing conference and you know what you're supposed to do, they gave you an abatement date in that letter that they issued your citation, then you go beyond that. This is the cost per day, $13,653 per day that you could be charged for that infraction. Willful and repeat violation per violation, again, is that 136532 per violation. So if you're, let's say, a residential roofer and you've already been cited before for your workers not having fall protection, it's a repeat violation. You've done this and OSHA knows that you, you should know better. <laughs> and so therefore, chances are, if you got a five-man team on that roof, the 501 regulation for uh, 1926-501 says that each person should have a duty for fall protection. Basically, each is going to be the violation. So those six guys on the roof can each carry 136,532 for a repeat or a willful violation. So therefore, you want to take care of that. That's going to get expensive real quick. Bankrupt the business. So that's one of the easy ones. Let's go over another one that's coming. This is a pending date. OSHA right now is starting to get all the information that they need for the record keeping. I've been speaking about this with my uh, Tuesday and Thursday on my LinkedIn and Facebook, even my YouTube channels. I do an OSHA compliance help show. So in that OSHA compliance help show, I have been talking about getting ready for your actual record keeping that you're going to have to do. So OSHA record keeping for injuries and illnesses, excuse me, has to be electronic. If you have a business over 250 or more, and actually you, um, you hit the record keeping criteria, because if you still are exempt from record keeping, you're going to be exempt from this as well. But if you are in the record keeping criteria, then therefore you're actually going to end up having to do this as well. Where 250 or more employees, you're going to end up having to keep records. If you're a smaller company, two, uh, 20 to 249 employees, you only have to be in certain high, uh, historically high rates uh, industry and high rate for OSHA is usually your days away restricted transfer rate. So an injury rate. 
this one is a little bit harder as a URL to tell you, but I will anyway. OSHA.gov backslash recording, excuse me, uh, record keeping. So OSHA.gov backslash record keeping slash NAICS hyphen codes hyphen electronic hyphen submission osha.gov backslash record keeping backslash n-a-i-c-s for north american industrial classification system backslash codes backslash electronic backslash submission so if you go there you're going to see the list of industries that osha says these are high hazard industries if you're on this list and your NAICS code falls on this list, you have to keep records of injury and illnesses from 20 to 249,000, excuse me, whew, my goodness, not a cup of coffee, from 20 people to 249 people. Then once you get to your 250th, then you're going to automatically have to keep records because of your size, unless you're one of the exempt companies. So that is the record keeping. Uh, there's a due date to this. So OSHA is receiving this data right now on the injury tracking application. You just go to OSHA.gov and uh, backslash injury reporting. And it's got a lot of this information I just went over. Uh, you want to launch the injury tracking application and do that. Uh, in, put all your data in there. And the deadline for this one is going to be... Um, March 2nd. So right now, OSHA is taking the information and you have to have all your establishments in by March 2nd. All right, let's do the hard one. Uh, this one is actually coming from the White House. So newly minted President Joseph R. Biden he has done a bunch of executive orders. Most of them are turning over what was uh, things that were done in the Trump administration, which, you know, when Trump became president, he did the same thing for Obama, you know, where he did a bunch of executive orders to overrule the Obama administration stuff. So here we go. Uh, there's executive order here. This one is going to directly influence OSHA because it is an executive order entitled Executive Order on Protecting Worker Health and Safety. So this is directed to the Occupational Safety and Health. It's broken up into four sections. And I'm going to give you the heading and the, the meat of each section. It's actually not too long. Let me read it. I don't know. It depends on how I'm feeling. Section one is policy. So... Um, in the beginning of the policy section, it just really talks about the coronavirus and how uh, there's been a lot of effect in the uh, brown and black community. So therefore, the meat of this one is it's going to require OSHA to do science-based guidance to keep workers safe from COVID-19 exposure, including with respects to mask wearing partnering with state and local governments to better protect public employees, ensure worker and health safety requirements, and 
pushing for additional resources to help employers protect their employees. So therefore, now the government, federal government, has jurisdiction over some uh, states with private sector when, like me, I live in Florida. So therefore, in Florida, we have federal OSHA that is in control of private. However, federal OSHA does not have jurisdiction over the public sector. So therefore, cities, counties, their employees are not under OSHA. So OSHA, this guidance wouldn't go for them. However, state plan states, they cover the public sector workers. So therefore, this executive order is going to reach out to the state plans to protect the public sector workers in respect to mask wearing, too. So that's a, that's a big one. Section 2, protecting workers from COVID-19 under Occupational Safety and Health Act. So now what's being said here is it's up to OSHA through the, night, the Act of 1970 to protect his workers. So therefore... This is going to be specific guidance that federal OSHA is going to have to do. Once federal OSHA does this, state plans must adopt any rules from federal OSHA within six months. So therefore, we're probably going to see this second section of this executive order really make a move for OSHA. So it's broken up into paragraphs. A is within two weeks of the date of this uh executive order osha is going to have to and i'm going to read this verbatim issue within two weeks of the date of this order and in conjunction or consultation with the heads of any other appropriate executive departments and agencies revised guidance to employers on workplace safety during the covid19 pandemic so now osha is going to have to do a guidance They've been leaving it up to the states and they've been doing some sort of um, non-mandatory guidance. So right now it's looking like OSHA's going to have to do some sort of, uh, again, a federal guidance on this. It's not saying it's going to be a regulation yet in this part. Uh, the date in question is January 21st, 2021. That's when this executive order was issued. So with the executive order being issued then, that means that uh, the two-week clock is already uh, ticking. Paragraph B of this executive order says, consider whether an emergency temporary standard on COVID-19, including with respect to masks in the workplace, are necessary, and if such standards are determined to be necessary, issue them by March 15th, 2021. I can tell you now it's going to be necessary. So therefore, you should see some sort of temporary standard, an emergency standard by March 2021, March 15th, excuse me. The reason why I say it's going to be necessary is because if their states are ready making these provisions on their own as emergency standards, Virginia, Minnesota, California, uh, there's other states that are doing this, federal OSHA at this point it's going to be hard for them to say that if these individual states feel like it's it's an executive type thing or emergency standard, how can we on the federal side say, eh, 
and you don't need this thing. <laughs> so it's going to become harder for them because of their peers and actually their subordinates more than their peers. Their subordinate organizations in the state plan are doing it already. And our shared numbers in the states is so high uh, that it is going to mandate that. What they're going to do is they're going to look at things like um, outbreaks in meatpacking or outbreaks such as uh, that you would see where there is a closeness of people in manufacturing. That's probably how they're going to work that thing out, just to, to do their numbers for their numbers' sake. And if there's a great enough uh, potential or a great enough caseload, then that's also going to be part of the justification letter. C on this one. Review the enforcement efforts of, of OSHA related to COVID-19 and identify any short, medium, and long-term changes that could, make, uh, that could be made to better protect and ensure equity in enforcement. So now OSHA is going to really look through what they've done in the past. Most of the enforcement have been record-keeping enforcements, and it's been in the healthcare. So in this, in, in this executive order, they are going to have to look at what have they done so far with uh, any kind of enforcement efforts, which has been, in my opinion, pitiful. <laughs> it's really been pitiful. They're touting on the website, you know, $3 million worth of fines. But then when you look at the complaints, you know, there's so many complaints with uh, employees saying, hey, they're not doing what they're supposed to here. OSHA should be out there finding more and more people. It should easily be in the same range as uh, 502 or 501 for fall protection, which is you know very highly cited, and dollar figures are going up crazy for that one. This should be in that same range. You should be looking at no less than 20 to $30 million that should have been cited already. The next thing that we're looking for is launch a national program to focus OSHA enforcement efforts related to COVID-19 on violations that put the largest number of workers at risk or are contrary to anti-retaliation uh, retaliation principles, meaning people that were uh, people that were punished for calling OSHA about uh, what happened, and that's the 11C violation rule, uh, whistleblower cases. So OSHA's going to have to OSHA's going to have to launch launch some program to focus on those enforcement efforts. And then for we're still in section two, E in section two, is saying that OSHA's going to need to coordinate with other uh, offices just to make sure, including labor unions and community organizations and everything, to make sure that everyone's voice is heard as they're putting in these rules and regulations. So that's a good thing. You really want to see that. You want to make sure that uh, OSHA is not doing it myopically, only through the, only through the resources they have in-house. It will be nice if they could reach outside of what they have in-house talk to some community leaders, talk to some uh, unions and other civic groups, make sure that their concerns 
are going to be reflected in a new emergency standard. Section 3, protecting other categories of workers from COVID-19. So Section 3's got uh, a couple things that they really want to make sure. And uh, one says, coordinate with states to have occupational safety and health plans approved under Section 18 uh, to ensure workers covered by such plans are adequately protected from COVID-19 consistent with any revised guidance or emergency temporary standard issued by OSHA. So therefore, they're looking at their state programs. We want to make sure the state plan programs are going to be taken care of. Uh, another thing that they say in here in uh, the states that do not have such plans, consult with state and local government entities which which uh, with responsibilities for public employee uh, safety and health with public employee unions to bolster protection from COVID-19 for public sector workers. So this is exactly what I just explained about Florida, where I am. This is just one example, but basically half of the states have a private sector only covering plan, which is federal government only covers the private, uh, the public, excuse me, private sector. And then the other half of the states have state plans and that's where public and private are protected. So in those states like Florida that do not have a state OSHA plan, this directive is saying that federal OSHA now needs to reach out to the counties and the cities and labor unions that represent the public sector so that those workers aren't forgotten. This is new and unique. Uh, I haven't seen OSHA do this before. So it's telling me that with the right angle, you might actually start seeing uh, some more push to have states, all states, think more about becoming a state plan state. Let's put it that way. So uh, I really believe that that's possible, especially because of this here. I'd love it, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I would. I, I really think that the the act itself needs to be amended to include public sector. And I think it's high time for that act to be amended. We shouldn't have just private and public, uh, private only for federal OSHA. I think it should be both. All right, so now there's a couple of things that are still related to this section uh, C. Uh, one is the president is looking for coordination between all the departments that have workers in it, such as agriculture, labor, health and human sciences, transportation, energy. They want to he wants to see a coordination between all those agencies to come up with some sort of comprehensive protection plan for workers specifically. And then C is for MSHA the mining agency to say, Amsha, you may need to come up with something too. We need you to start considering this and look into what that standard's gonna look like. And that's all in section three. Section four is general provisions. And that's just really saying, hey, this law isn't intended to mess with any other things that needs to keep going like the Office of Management and Budget and a few other things. So it's just some legalese that they need to throw in at the end of this. So this was signed Joseph R. Biden Jr., White House, January 21st, 2021. 
That means this is going to be in effect very, very shortly, two weeks. I would look out for that. So I would also say if you personally in your organization or you're consulting people, you should bring this thing up to them. Send them a link to this. Let them know that they're going to really have to think long and hard about what they're doing with COVID-19 because there's probably going to be a big change soon if they're resistant to mask wearing in the organization they might be mandated to so they should just go ahead and be proactive on this one all right so for my purposes i'm going to call this one done i didn't go nuts with um with the osha regulations I just wanted to really give you a nice little quick update of what's happening. There's a lot of changes. I might end up having to do this more than quarterly like I, I normally do because OSHA is a big driver for actual consulting. So if you have not thought about being consultant, this might be the actual time to do it. So I would say really start looking for that. I want to also let you guys know that I have launched and it's continuing to launch Safety Consultant TV. So the Safety Consultant TV is a way for you to actually learn the business of being a safety consultant one little baby step at a time. And I'm doing it by videos. And the videos are available right now on your Fire Stick if you do have them. Uh, you go to safetyconsultant.tv, uh, sign up, uh, there's two ways of being a membership. It's a monthly plan or you could do an annual plan, but goodness, I've made it available to you everywhere. Uh, Roku is coming next. Apple TV is coming next, but it is in the iTunes, uh, store. If you want to, uh, see this on your pad or your iPhone or your Android device, that's available for you right now. It's going to be in the Google store soon. So you're going to go to safetyconsultant.tv and go ahead and sign up, be part of the group. I do have some free to the public videos out there that you can look at. Uh, however, the more in-depth training is on the Safety Consultant TV with all the different platforms. And what's even better is I actually give you my templates here, and in some cases I give you my PowerPoint decks that you could download. So it's not just watching, it's also getting resources at the same time. And these are things that you could use to build your consulting business. So I explain what this program is. Let's say you've written program. I've got a bunch of videos on written programs. We explain what the written programs are, and then you could download this. And then you use it and you adopt it and you you uh, make this PDF into a word. You add your client's information to it. So that's what we do. So you're going to go to safetyconsultant.tv and go ahead and sign up for that now. Thank you for being with me this week. I really appreciate everyone. Go get them. This episode has been powered by Safety FM.